Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea, and let's get cosmic. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new calendar year. It is now the year 2024. Did you ever imagine that it would look like this? (laughs) How are you? How have you been? It has been a minute since I got behind the microphone, so it feels a little weird. I think the last time we spoke was in October, and a lot has happened for me since then. If you have been keeping up with the diaries, you know sort of what's going on. I've just realized that I actually have released quite a few entries since October. So just to catch you up a little bit, um, Part seven came out on what to do with despair, in which I write about getting kicked out of our housing arrangement, um, but also not, but also absolutely needing to leave as soon as possible. And then I think it was part eight, facilitating a shift in which I recorded an hour long episode, audio episode about where I am in my healing and how I am interpreting and approaching some of my symptoms and how I've been looking at fine-tuning digestion, sleep, all things which have actually improved massively since I originally recorded that diary entry. And I'm actually going to record another update on that very soon because Now I'm in like a whole new headspace regarding healing um, that's taken me to a completely new level of how I'm approaching things, my preconception. So yes, but I do talk in depth about that if you're interested in things like liver expressions, cycles, uh, potentially debunking estrogen dominance. I have some resources in there and we talk about this idea of estrogen dominance, which may or may not actually be kind of bullshit in a way for a lot of people, uh, women and, um, yeah, sleep digestion, uh, things like that. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of little goodies in there, so you can check that out. Um, the next entry came out doing the effortless, which now in hindsight, I kind of see as the very beginnings of my understanding and pathway into what it actually means to surrender, uh, whatever that word means to you. That's also a very charged word these days. Um, But really just simply letting things go, letting things go, letting uh, emotions go, letting control go, uh, letting a lot of shit go (laughs) in a way that is healthy and necessary. And of course, in this entry, uh, I was just beginning to explore and share resources around what this, um, what I was discovering about this to mean to me. And, you know, that was a couple months ago. So again, now I'm in a completely new place with that as well, which I'll continue to explore in that space. 
The next entry uh, was releasing my mother's programming, in which I talk about the huge leap that my family took driving six hours to New Hampshire to potentially secure an apartment. And of course, that is not what happened because why (laughs) would that be the outcome, right? Things never look the way that you think that they're going to. Um, But something really, really big happened instead. Uh, And so that was a really uh, huge Um, turning point for me in my personal evolution regarding things like the mother wound, uh, abundance, scarcity mindsets, subconscious programming, intergenerational programming, um, stuff like that. And again, I have evolved even more so than I... Than I, than I was when I, when I wrote that article as well. So we're going to continue to explore all of these themes. The most recent entry I wrote was the one titled December Broke Me, in which I share the very brutal truth. Or maybe it won't re- read as brutal, but going through it, it was brutal. <laughs> Reality of what the holiday season ended up looking like for me and my family and the medicine that is really still unfolding out of that um, for me, which takes me into now, January. It's January 21st. Actually, that means that we only have a couple weeks of January left, and I am releasing this program, our 2024 Cosmic Forecast to you um, a lot later than probably a lot of, you know, the other astrologers out there have already released their goodies and forecasts about the new year. And that is totally okay with me because I am really taking the time to um, further facilitate a shift in my lifestyle and my pace and my relationship with my work and my relationship with myself, my relationship with my daughter. And that means that I am going to need more time in between how often I put out content this year, which takes me into announcing a change in how we're going to do, how I am doing subscriptions and how you can continue to support the show as I take on this change of pace. So basically, the offerings are going to stay the same. If you want to become a patron of the show or a patron of this work, you're going to have access for a monthly subscription to all the podcast bonus material, um, which I hope to actually produce more of now that I'm going to be Uh, producing shows with a little bit more space in between. You're still going to have access to all my Cosmic Conception Diaries, which I do update, as you can see, pretty regularly, and you can get more access to the details of my journey there. Um, And of course, you'll also be able to access the Q&A audio um, series in which at any point in time you can submit a question about anything essentially it's an ask me anything style so you can ask anything that you're curious about and maybe you want to know something specific about a placement in your chart um, that makes it a really great great way to access my eyes um, right on something in your chart if you can't afford to do one-on-ones or whatever Um, yeah you can just totally take advantage of that a particular offering to ask a question and receive an answer in audio format. 
um, through that series. So all of that is going to still be available to you, but it is now available to you for just $8 a month instead of $11, which I had previously been charging as of last year. Uh, And of course, if you remember some of my announcements from previous podcasts, I was going to expand um, into that pricing and be doing virtual circles and community calls and blah, blah, blah. And um, I now is not the time. Now is not the time for me. And I have to honor that and scale back a little bit, which is kind of interesting. I, the thought of me announcing that may, I I noticed that there was a lot of shame and embarrassment in my body (laughs) at thinking of having to come on here and announce it. Um, just because there is so much, uh, cultural programming and for me, childhood programming around, um, accomplishment and achieving and producing. And it's sort of like this, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to scale back, right? You're not allowed to do less. You're supposed to just keep expanding into more and more and more. Um, but now that I'm sitting here and sharing this with you, I actually feel very good about it. So I hope hearing that inspires you to make similar changes in your life if you're also feeling like you need to pull back and may also find that you have some some coding lurking in the background that is preventing you from doing so or holding you back from doing so it's not that scary (laughs) you can do it you can pull back you can say no um yeah you'll survive and it'll make you feel a lot better when you do so those are the changes those are the changes um if you if you did sign up, if you are supporting me, by the way, thank you to Minal, Autumn, Renata, and Lauren. I think your names have been your names have been trickling in since the last time I did a podcast episode. So thank you for becoming paying supporters of the show. If you did subscribe to the Substack uh, at the previous price of eleven dollars a month, even though I changed the the pricing down to eight dollars, um, I think your subscriptions are still being. Um, Build to you at 11 and for some reason I can't change that so if you want to if that if you have the abundance to share and you want to stick with the $11 monthly donation I so so appreciate that Um, if you want to take advantage of the price being lowered to $8 a month that's totally fine too you're just going to have to go ahead and unsubscribe and then resubscribe at the new pricing model I hope that makes sense okay so let's get into the forecast, the fun part. I'm going to be sharing with you what I have gathered in two different ways in case your brain works, you know, in their own unique, different ways. (laughs) So we're going to go, we're going to talk about the year ahead first in terms of um, like planet by planet, essentially. We're going to discuss the moon. We're going to discuss Mercury retrogrades. We're going to talk about Venus. We're going to talk about Mars. We're going to talk about Jupiter. Saturn, well, we're talking about all of them, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, and Chiron. And then after we get through that, I'm going to start at the top and we're going to go through the events chronologically month by month. So we're going to kind of discuss the major happenings in two different ways. And if you don't want to have to scramble to take notes on every little thing that I'm saying, 
you can, for $8 a month, access the bonus content, which for this episode is going to be so awesome to have on hand, especially if you're a cosmic witch like me. There is for you in the bonus um, section a beautiful PDF that has all of these key dates and transitions in there for you. It's also going to include writable fields um, next to each month as you go through the PDF so that you can take your own personal notes directly into the PDF if you want to remember certain things or there are certain transits that are relevant to your chart. Um, however you want to organize this kind of information. But if you're not really like a PDF type of person or you're the kind of person who like downloads the PDF with really great intentions, but you're obviously not going to print it out and then you kind of forget to look at the thing, I have another offering for you that's also going to be in the bonus content. It is a calendar link with all of these dates and times in it. So all you have to do is copy the calendar link and paste it into whoever is hosting your digital calendar. I like to use Proton, um, but no judgment if you're still on Google or if you're on Apple or whoever you like to use for your digital planning, you just grab the URL and you paste it right in to your calendar provider and boom, all of the dates are going to be in there. You'll never miss a Mercury retrograde again. No more waiting until your astrologers of Instagram announce an event like 48 hours before it happens. You're actually going to have the whole year in there and you're going to be able to plan ahead. Um, The other thing that's going to be in the bonus content for this episode is a conversation in which I answer some of the questions that came in on Instagram regarding what energies you guys are wanting to work with this year. So we're going to talk about how to work with Jupiter We're going to talk about how to work with Venus. We're going to talk about how to, we're also going to talk about how to use the transits and astrology to plan successful uh, relocation, a successful relocation, uh, which actually I think is going to be quite relevant to a lot of you because it seems like there are still a lot of families out there who are kind of seeking their next forever homes um, or expanding into bigger homes or moving to new states. Um, There's still a lot of that going on, uh, meaning a lot of it going on after 2020. So that is going to be really helpful. So yeah, and then in terms of like how to work with the planets, it's like, oh my God, there's so many ways and it's really not woo-woo at all either, right? Like I'm not gonna ask you to pray to like, Aphrodite, although you totally can do that. And we're going to talk about that. (laughs) But there are also really tangible tools that you can use like um, plants, for example, or um, lifestyle and healing modalities that are directly connected to and ruled by these planets. So you're going to learn how to bring their essence into your life, essentially. So again, there's all this information is going to be in the 2024 Cosmic Forecast downloadable PDF. There's also going to be the calendar link. So if you're more of a virtual gal, you can just add all of these dates with a single, well, a couple clicks to your Google Calendar or what have you. And there's also going to be this bonus content in which we discuss um, Jupiter, Saturn, or Jupiter, Venus, and relocation, how to facilitate relocation using astrological transits. Okay, so let's get into the forecast. Now, 
aside from, of course, discussing when the Mercury retrogrades are going to be and um, some of, you know, the activities and retrogrades that these outer planets are going to be doing because they're pretty heavy hitters. And of course, everyone wants to know what's going on with them. Um, I'm also going to be sharing this information kind of through the lens of fertility astrology, of course. Which is why I made sure to include the activities of Venus and Mars specifically in the report, in the PDF, and in the calendar link, and we will talk about why as we get into it. So let's start this forecast by going planet by planet, if you will. And then, like I said, we'll get into the chronological order of things, which will also include more fun stuff like the Sabbaths of the Wheel of the Year and Eclipse Portals and things like that. So let's start with the moon um, and the lunar nodes, essentially. Uh just a little fun thing that I found. There are no blue moons this year, but there is a black moon. And I actually didn't know uh, what a black moon was until about a month ago. So a blue moon is when there is more than there's basically it means that there's two full moons in one calendar month which doesn't happen very often, which is why you have the saying once in a blue moon. And I think our next blue moon is actually going to occur in 2025. But there is a black moon and that is going to be in December. So a black moon is when you have two new moons in one calendar month. So I believe in December, there's a new moon at like on like the first of the month and then like a new moon on the last day of the month. So that was kind of fun. So now in, in terms of fertility, of course, right, this is going to be very specific to you because if you've been here long enough, you know that the moon and how she impacts fertility is primarily going to come down to your unique fertile moon phase. So if you're new here and you don't yet know what your fertile moon phase is, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to download the how to Calculate Your Fertile Moon Phase PDF. It's free, um, basically teaches you DIY how to find out where and when your fertile moon phase is, which is essentially the phase that the moon was in at the moment of your birth, which then means that you have an additional fertile window whenever the moon returns to that phase during your childbearing years. So if you were born under a full moon, um, you... Are, you experience heightened potential fertility when the moon is full um, during your childbearing years, regardless of where you are in your menstrual cycle. And I can't get into it more than that here. There are plenty of other previous podcast episodes uh, that do. So yeah, of course, you're going to want to know when your fertile moon phase is, whether you're trying to have a baby or trying not to have a baby, remember. Okay, so that's going to be very unique to you. Now, when it comes to the lunar nodes, the lunar nodes are currently on that Libra-Aries axis, right? The north node is in Aries. The south node is in Libra. There's a link in the show notes to an episode I did back in October all about eclipses. If you don't really understand what they are, it's like total 101 um, must-have information about that um, not just about like the symbology of eclipses, but also the astronomy of eclipses as well. What exactly are they? How are they formed? 
Um, and there's going to be a lot more in that episode specifically about what it means that the nodes are on this Libra Aries axis. And this axis is actually quite relevant, I think, to the preconception period. And again, I get into it more in that episode, but it's really revealing a lot about our um, codependent shadows, right? South node in Libra is going to highlight Libra's shadows. And although Libra is known as sort of a, a peacemaking uh, sign, Libra's shadow is also extremely people-pleasing, Right. And so with the North Node in Aries and Aries being the head of the Zodiac, uh, very strong willed, very independent, this um, this nodal axis that we're riding out currently um, and the eclipse seasons that are going to be coming up this year are going to continue highlighting themes that have to do with this. Um, yeah, this this spectrum of codependence, people-pleasing, independence, setting boundaries, coming into who we are. And all of this really is quite relevant to preconception. And as I said in that Eclipse episode, I really encourage um, those of you who might even be in like newer partnerships um, or even long-standing partnerships where it's just kind of been you and your partner and now you're, you've entered into this period of being interested in conceiving a child. Um, really take this time <laughs> to do the work to make sure that you actually are still compatible in terms of raising children, right? And, and not just that, but making sure that like your relationship is clean, right? Like that, that you have a clean energetic exchange within your partnership. Um, this might be a really potent time for you to sort through some of that, you know, before you call a child uh, into your vessel and into your dynamic. Really potent time to be working through a lot of that stuff. I know I I, I totally see how this has been also impacting um, my relationship as well in, in the best way. Like, I don't want you to think that like, you're going to discover that you need to break up or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, you never know. There are plenty of unhealthy codependent relationships out there. Some of them can be repaired. Some of them cannot. So yeah, this is definitely a time um, for us that is highlighting these issues, whether your preconception um, already into already fully in, in motherhood, uh, yeah, it's never a bad, it's just never a bad time to, to sort through these kinds of dynamics and work on improving the health and the clarity of your relationships, especially because they are going to be imprinting upon our children, right? And so if we don't clean, clean up, um, it's just, it's just going to continue, it's just going to get passed down, then they're going to have to live through the, the, these dynamics and, you know, it just, it just goes and goes. So that's really the focus of the, the lunar axis for us uh, this year. I don't believe they're going, yeah, they're not going to leave the Aries Libra um, polarity until 2025. So that's where the, the nodes are right now. Um, also, something interesting of note regarding that is that um, I noticed that eclipse season in autumn is going to be a little earlier than normal this year. And we'll get into exact dates when we go chronologically through the calendar. Uh, but it's kind of it starts in September and then goes into like early October. And I think for the past couple of years, the eclipse season in autumn has been like deeply in October exclusively. So that's just something to put on your radar, especially if you are 
um, planning conceptions uh, outside of eclipse season, as is like traditionally recommended by astrologers, right? Um, to not get caught off guard by by that. Now, there's one uh, infertility transit, if you will, of note that can occur, and that is when the south node conjuncts your natal Jupiter or natal moon. So like I said, the south node is currently in Libra. So if you know that Jupiter, you have Jupiter in Libra, or if you have a Libra moon, um, at some point you will experience this south node conjunction. Now when I'm looking at south node or north node uh, transits, I'm using a very close orbit. Personally, I use a three degree orbit. So that doesn't necessarily mean um, that the conjunction will occur for a very long period of time at all, especially for the moon, which moves quite quickly. Um, and the south node conjunct natal Jupiter especially is not necessarily going, I mean, none of these transits in isolation are enough to, you know, by themselves necessarily make you temporarily infertile, <laughs> right? Or, or, or have it be just like a blacked out period where like there, no child is going to um, come through because of these energies. Like usually, usually there's a dance. There's like a combination of things that are happening in the chart, um, you know, at any given time. But in order to give you the opportunity to do a little bit of DIY fertility astrology, I am explaining these transits to you here. And they're also going to be listed in the PDF as well. So again, there's no need to take a billion notes. If you don't want to, you can just acquire that PDF and take a look and see what your chart is looking like as we go through the year. So yeah, and then of course, the nodes... Um, really activate, have the potential to activate really big life-changing events, right? Because the nodes represent your karma to dharma pathway. The nodes are going to activate things that clear karma and call you into your dharma. Uh, and so depending on what they're doing in your chart and depending on what is transiting your natal nodes, that can also have an impact on your fertility journey. Maybe not specifically on the quality of your fertile windows, but just on like the life events that are happening around um, your preconception, which I have found um through just talking to women here, both here and off the podcast and looking at charts and stuff that there, there's usually, um, there's usually stuff going on. There's, there's often stuff going on, um, regarding the nodes, especially when big dramatic things are happening. Okay. So that's, what's going on with the nodes. Let's talk about Mercury. So Mercury is going to have three retrogrades this year. Let's not Let's not blanket fear the Mercury retrograde, by the way, right? Like collectively, overall, we understand that Mercury and retrograde typically signifies a time where communications get mixed up, where travel plans are more likely to be disrupted. These are periods of time when you don't necessarily want to be signing contracts or making really big, important decisions or commitments in that way, but there's also going to be nuance, right? So for example, some people don't feel that they are impacted by Mercury retrogrades at all. I was one of those people. <laughs> if you read my Cosmic Conception De Diary, December broke me, you will find out how I was wrong, <laughs> okay? So but there, there's nuance in, in different ways, right? So like, for example, 
um, Gemini and Virgo are both ruled by Mercury. Um, so they are potentially going to be more impacted by the activities of Mercury, especially and also if you are a rising Gemini or a rising Virgo, right? The, the rising sign indicates your first house in the chart. It is where the ascendant is placed. This is where... Um, this, this area of the chart really shows what kind of energies and physicalities are coming into the physical body, the constitution, how you are experiencing, um, like what kind of energies you are experiencing. So if you're a Gemini rising or a Virgo rising, uh, you know, your chart is ruled by by Mercury. So if you're, again, if you're a Gemini or a Gemini rising or a Virgo or Virgo rising, and I would imagine if you have some insane Gemini or Virgo stellium in your chart, then potentially this applies to you too. Um, but you're probably going to be more impacted by these retrogrades. You'll also want to look at what house in your chart Mercury is in during the retrograde. Okay. So um, again, I wrote in my diary about how Mercury was retrograding um, directly over key planetary placements in my chart in the second house and a massive miscommunication about a, and a, a rental unit property, Taurus, second house, um, occurred, right? So like I could, and I, and I saw it coming and I just didn't want to believe, okay, so I learned my lesson. So if you look at where red Mercury actually is transiting in your chart during a retrograde, this will help you identify, you know, things that you need to be particularly careful of. So let's say Mercury is retrograding through your 10th house, right? 10th house is the house of career, most broadly speaking. So if something is coming up at work during a Mercury, Mercury retrograde in your 10th house, you might want to pay attention to that, right? You might want to read the fine print if it has to do with an offering. You might want to um, wait until after a Mercury after Mercury leaves its retrograding status before you make any final decisions. Does that make sense? So there's nuance to the Mercury retrograde, okay? Um so there's three this year. Mercury went direct on January 1st, which was actually really quite nice. I don't know if anybody felt that um, little bow tie on on the energy to, to, to finish off the year and head into the next one. But Mercury is also going to go retrograde again um, in April, from April 1st to April 25th uh, in Aries. Then Mercury is going to retrograde in Virgo on August 5th, and we'll go direct in Leo on August 28th. And then Mercury is going to go retrograde in Sagittarius on November 25th, and then be direct again, um, still in Sagittarius on December 15th. Um, And by the way, in the PDF and on the calendar, I will have exact times if you are, you know, that kind of, you know, it's for the moons and stuff too. If you want to know exactly what time the full moon is, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the, the times are going to be in the PDF and on the calendar. Okay. Uh, Mercury is not necessarily, Mercury never really comes up in regards to fertility astrology, to my knowledge at this time. So you don't really have to worry about, again, again, like we, like we said, just be careful of all those previously mentioned um, themes when Mercury is in retrograde. So uh, Venus, Venus, we experienced a Venus in Leo retrograde last year, which was interesting. (laughs) Um, She's not retrograding this year, but she does um, 
she does, she is going to be traveling quickly. So because there's no retrogrades, she's going to be traveling quite steadily and quickly through all of the signs. Now it takes Venus about 303 days. It will be taking her 303 days this year to make a full return around the chart, which means everyone listening will get a chance to allow Venus to activate some important placements in their chart. Now, Venus is is associated with a lot of important fertility transits, right? So you're going to want to know if you're trying to use Venus to conceive. It's going to be relevant for you if she's in your fifth house, which is the house of children, or if she's in your seventh house, which is the house of partnership. Venus is also helpful when she is conjunct, sextile, or trine your natal Mars, Jupiter, or Moon, and also when conjunct your natal North Node or your Ascendant. So I'm not going to read all the dates, uh, but she, I again, in the PDF and on the calendar, there's going to be, you know, every time she enters into a new sign, you're going to have a notification there. So for example, on January 23rd, in a couple days, Venus is going to enter Capricorn. So if you even just, you know, know um, which zodiac sign is ruling which house in your chart, you can vaguely off of the top of your head be able to see, oh, um, I'm going to look forward to when let's say let's say Capricorn it rules your 5th house in your chart. Now you see on the calendar Venus is entering Capricorn on January 23rd. So that's a really amazing time for you to work with her energies if you want to work with her in relation to calling in a child. Um, so there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of like nuance to this and understanding all your house placements and stuff like that. I have a lot of free resources available for you to do DIY. Um, and if you don't want to do DIY, um, I'll explain at the end of the episode how you can um, book a fertile transit report with me so I can look at all the details for you. Uh, let's see, Mars. Mars is chilling um, until December. He's going to go retrograde in early December. December 6th, he's going to be retrograde in Leo. Now, Mars um, is most famous for his infertility transit, if you will, which I'll talk about in a second, but he can also help with fertility. So you're primarily going to want Mars to be conjunct, sextile, or trine your natal Venus. So again, I'm going to have in the calendar, every time Mars enters into a new zodiac sign, he doesn't travel as fast as Venus, so he's not going to cover all of the signs in one year. Uh, Mars enters Capricorn, he entered Capricorn on January 4th, and he's going to end out the year in Leo. So he's not going to quite make it through all of the signs. Um, but if you know where your Venus placement is, um, you can potentially vaguely be able to detect when you want to work with him, which sign, right? So like, let's say you have Venus in Capricorn, Mars entered Capricorn on January 4th, and he's going to be there until February 13th. Now remember, um, just because the your planets are in the same sign together doesn't mean that the conjunction will be taking place throughout that entire time period, right? For, for, um, for these planets, I, I like to keep a tighter orb. Some astrologers use 10 degrees. I like to use seven. Um, 
So yeah, if Venus is at 10 degrees in Capricorn, Mar that Mars and Venus conjunction is going to be taking place between when Mars is three degrees in Capricorn to 17 degrees in Capricorn. Does that make sense? I hope so. I'm a very visual person. So like this is a new thing for me, explaining math <laughs> verbally. We all saw what happened when I tried to do that last year. I'm getting better though. I hope you can tell. Okay, so but then the other thing about Mars, this is the big one. This will be easy for you to do regardless of whether you know how to do the conjunction sextile trine thing. So Mars conjunct the natal moon. This is like the famous early birth miscarriage transit, right? So when Mars conjuncts your natal moon, did I say that correctly? Mars conjunct the natal when Mars conjuncts the natal moon. Um, it is known to trigger early births. Now, this is not necessarily like across, you know, if, if you're six months um, pregnant and this conjunction happens, you're not necessarily going to just give birth in the middle of your pregnancy at all. That's not how it works, right? Um, and I'm not trying to, the last thing I want to do is put ideas into your head or fear monger you. But I do have to say that I have seen this I have seen this conjunction in action. I have seen it in action and it is like not, it's beyond like how can it be a coincidence? Like I've seen it occur down to like the exact degree, the exact day of the event, etc. It's quite fascinating. Um, I personally look for this conjunction. Um, I, I personally look to avoid this conjunction occurring during the first you know, they, they say three months of, of pregnancy, but really I think it's more like 10 weeks because the thing is, is that the placenta, generally speaking, and of course it's going to be plus or minus because we're not robots, um, but generally speaking, around 10 weeks, I believe, is when the placenta is fully formed enough to start producing its own hormones to support the pregnancy. So if you're familiar with um, working with herbs to induce a pregnancy release, it is typically encouraged that you make that decision before eight weeks even of pregnancy and definitely before 10 weeks of pregnancy because once the placenta takes control, it's you're, you're entering into a whole new energetic realm. Um, and it's not um, as easy to encourage that pregnancy to release. So when I'm looking at the Mars-Moon conjunction in terms of avoiding it to um, encourage a healthy and complete transition through that first trimester, you don't want it to be taking place during the first 10 uh, weeks of your pregnancy. And it's obviously not going to be helpful if that conjunction is occurring while you're actively trying to conceive either. I imagine that it wouldn't. Again, unless maybe you're, you just have like an incredible abundance of energy channeling through your fifth house in your chart and you have all these other fertile transits occurring and like there, you know, like it's not the only thing in the world, right? So yes, so if you are using these calendars that I've created for you, or you're just generally tracking the positions of, of Mars, and let's say you know, okay, I have a Pisces moon, it looks like Mars is going to be entering Pisces on March 22nd, and he's going to be there until April 30th. So that might be a little, you know, period in which you 
want to check out, see what's going on in your chart, or you might just decide you want to avoid that. Of course, like I said, you don't want this transit to occur in those first 10 weeks. It's not ideal. It's not going to, it's not going to solidify a miscarriage for you. I'm just saying it's not ideal. So um, actually, that would mean if you did have a Pisces moon, it would probably not be ideal for you to attempt to have a conception at this point until after, until, um, yeah, until, let's see, April 30th. Um, And of course, it depends on exactly what degree your moon is at. If your moon is at zero degrees in Pisces, um, then Mars is going to break away from that conjunction um, earlier than April 30th, right? Okay, so that's something um, to think about and look out for regarding Mars. Okay, so let's get into the outer planets. Jupiter is changing changing the guard this year, right? Jupiter's been in Taurus. He's been in Taurus for quite some time, actually, because of all the retrograding. Um, but in May, Jupiter is going to enter Gemini. So this is very interesting, right? Because Gemini has to do with our communications, Um among other things, but typically when we think of Gemini and the third house, we think of communicating. Uh, and also like um, bite-sized communication, right? Like the, 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 the polarity of Gemini on the other side of the chart is Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is more like Sagittarius is all about philosophy and higher education and long distance travel, whereas Gemini is more so about um, – Daily communications, uh, bite-sized communications, snippets of information, fun facts, uh, maybe like what's the opposite of higher education, like personal home study, like reading a book instead of going to university, um, interpersonal communications, uh, short-term or short-distance travel even, right? Um, So Jupiter is going to be highlighting some of these themes for us. And I haven't explored that to its fullest extent, but um, because what I do know is that Jupiter is an amazing planet to work with in regards to fertility. So you are going to be interested in when Jupiter, when and if Jupiter is in your fifth house, okay? So if you have a fifth, if Taurus is ruling your fifth house, or, well, if Taurus is ruling your fifth house, then Jupiter's been in your fifth house um, all year. So I'm curious about how that has been going for you. Now, remember, the fifth house is not just about children. It's all about uh, creativity, right? The fifth house is almost like the sacral chakra. It's like our our creative fire. Um, the fifth house is typically ruled by Leo, actually. So, um, yeah. So, but then when Jupiter enters into Gemini, so if you ha- if your Gemini, uh, if your fifth house is ruled by Gemini, then this is going to be a big moment for you. Um, of course, if if you are looking to work with Jupiter to call in um, a child. So the interesting thing, though, is that Jupiter is going to make a conjunction with Uranus. Okay, so this is important because one of the fertility transits from Jupiter is when Jupiter is conjunct um, the natal moon or Venus. Conjunct sextile or trine the natal moon or Venus. But it is not favorable to have Uranus conjunct the natal moon. Okay? 
So if you are looking to Jupiter to conjunct your natal moon to amplify your fertility, but it's during the period of time when Jupiter is also in the ethers conjunct Uranus, this is going to be a mixed bag. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting experience. Um, and which, because, okay, so Jupiter is expansion, ex, our expander, right? He brings luck and expansion. Um, Uranus is very unpredictable and surprising. Uranus moon conjunctions in regards to fertility is very tricky, um, usually associated with um, women who easily uh, miscarry or birth their children very early, however you want to approach that experience. Um, In the chart, in the actual actual natal chart, when Uranus is conjunct the natal moon, um, it can uh, can create a lot of uh, conflicts for the mother within the emotional landscape about being fully committed um, to the mothering experience, which can have an emotional energetic impact on the success of calling in a pregnancy. So Uranus doesn't really play too well with the cosmic fertility um, landscape. So there is going to be this period of time where that conjunction um, is is going to interfere with Jupiter's effect on your fertility journey and the other transits in your chart. And that conjunction is going to occur between March 13th and June 3rd, um, according to me using a seven-degree orb. So if you prefer, uh, if you believe in the 10 degree orb, I don't think anybody uses one larger than that, then those dates, that that time period is going to be extended uh, on either side. But I'm using a seven degree orb and um, I am marking that conjunction as taking place between March 13th and June 3rd. Okay, and there's a couple other uh, Jupiter uh, fertility transits that you could look for as well. Again, these are going to be in the PDF, so you can do a little DIY um, sleuthing on on that. Okay, Saturn. Saturn oh, and did I mention when Jupiter is going to enter Gemini in May? Okay, yeah. Saturn uh, is going to be in Pisces. Saturn's been in Pisces. He's going to be in Pisces. Remember, Saturn moves really slow. Um, so Saturn is still going to be in Pisces this year and he is going to be retrograde from June to November, which doesn't necessarily, um, mean anything for you in terms of the fertility journey. Uh, but that is what is going on there. Oh, and also this, um, I did an, I did an article on Substack last year, I believe. Yeah, last year when Saturn entered Pisces discussing what that might mean for you in terms of health transits. So I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So you can review that. Um, Saturn does have an infertility transit as well. Saturn conjunct the natal moon is not a favorable fertility transit. So if you have a Pisces moon, um, you may experience that transit at some point this year. So you'll have to check your chart. And this is these transits are with the outer planets can be brutal because they move slow, right? So if Saturn is conjunct your natal moon, uh, that might occur for a while. Okay, Uranus. Uranus remains in Taurus. Uranus has been in Taurus. He will remain in Taurus, although he is currently retrograde and will go direct um, on the 27th. 
so in about a week, uh, which might be nice, taking even less chaos out of the cosmic uh, weather. <laughs> and again, that Jupiter-Uranus conjunction um, will take place between March 13th and June 3rd. Uh, Uranus is also has his own infertility transit. Just like Saturn, you don't want it to be conjunct your natal moon. I've also seen Uranus square the natal moon um, during early birth experiences as well. So again, you, you just don't want that like electrical, shocking, unpredictable energy. It's just like, ugh, like it's just not always fun. <laughs> not always fun. And again, not in isolation, right? In conjunction with other things going on in life or with other transits reflecting those things, um, those events in your chart. Um, it can just be uh, the... The influence that sort of pushes everything over the edge. Uh, Neptune is in Pisces this year, uh, which is actually kind of nice because Neptune rules Pisces. Uh, at the very end of the year, I think potentially even like on the cusp of going into the new year, um, Neptune is going to come into close conjunction with the North Node in Aries. So remember, next year, uh, the North Node, I believe, is going to come into Pisces. And so at some point, there's going to be this North Node-Neptune conjunction in Pisces, which is going to be kind of fucking wild. I sort of am excited for that, right? <laughs> um, Neptune and Pisces both are like, man, like they're on, they're on the spiritual plane. Um, and then the North Node is going to come into play. So that's going to be a whole other thing to talk about. Uh, there is a Neptune retrograde that's going to happen between July and December. Um, not Neptune doesn't really come into play in regards to fertility, actually. And I haven't really seen Neptune play a role in really karmic uh, life events regarding the fertility journey either. Uh, but he can interfere with matters of the vital force, depending on how he's placed in your chart. It's another discussion. Pluto. Holy hell with Pluto. I don't know about you guys, but I just want him to get his butt into Aquarius and stay there. <laughs> because he keeps retrograding. Um, I don't know if you've known th noticed this, <laughs> but basically what Pluto has been doing is dancing his way across the line in between Capricorn and Aquarius for quite some time. He dips into Aquarius and then he retrogrades into Capricorn and it's a whole thing and he's doing it a couple more times this year. So just to give you a picture of what that looks like, right? Like the last time Pluto went into Aquarius, I think like literally within the day or two, maybe within the week max, was when all of a sudden AI was everywhere. Okay, right? So Pluto is about transformation, alchemy in a way, uh, a little bit. And Aquarius is, I mean, again, among other things, but is um, known for holding themes of technology and advancement. Um, so yeah, when Pluto goes into Aquarius, there is a lot, there's going to be a lot to be 
revealed through how society navigates all these changes in technology for better or for worse, right? We're going to see more transhumanism. Um, We're going to see more advancements uh, and announcements regarding technology uh, across all industries. Uh, But what I'm hoping is that we are also going to see transformation and advancements in sort of um, the Aquarian era, if you will, regarding revolution and uh, our communities and how we actually navigate and center into ground into what is transpiring around us in a smart, truly progressive uh, way. So that's kind of what is going on there. And Pluto is going to enter Aquarius. Oh man, he's there. I believe he's there right now. Uh, Pluto entered Aquarius on January 20th. Um, and then Pluto is going to retrograde in May and then is going to actually retrograde, continue retrograding back into Capricorn in September and then is going to go direct again and then is going to re-enter Aquarius in November. So this is the Pluto, this is the Plutonic dance that we are in with that right now. Um, yes, not necessarily related to the fertility journey unless Pluto is like squaring or conjunct your nodes or something like that. And like some massive shit is happening in your life. Um, yeah, this is a chart by chart basis situation. Okay. And then just to mention Chiron, um, Chiron is going to remain in Aries, actually close to the North Node, uh, which is going to continue to kind of like reveal a lot about this whole Libra to Aries expansion that we are moving through, any like woundings that have to do with how we can get into the North Node and Aries energy. uh, And it's going to be there until May when the conjunction really starts to separate beyond a three degree orb. Uh, And then Chiron is going to go retrograde uh, in Aries in July and is going to go direct on December 29th, which is going to be pretty rough. Chiron went direct uh, on Christmas day, I think last month. And I know a lot of people, including myself, were having a really tough time with the holidays uh, this year. A lot of family, wounding coming to the surface, a lot of opportunities to um, structure our boundaries around dysfunctional family dynamics, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so that is that kind of energy is going to come into play at the end of the year, the holiday season again this year. So now this time you can prepare for it. So let's review everything chronologically so we can just kind of reorient our brain time, space, direction (laughs) to how this is going to unfold moving forward. Um, And I'm just going to be reading actually directly from the PDF, which also, again, contains uh, a little note uh, page about the fertility transits that we talked about today, what you want to look for for both fertility and infertility transits concerning the moon and the lunar nodes. 
Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus, which is not a complete list, right? But it is a potent place to play around with some DIY uh, cosmic fertility readings, okay? Um, so in January, now this PDF and these dates are also going to include uh, some of the other fun kind of cosmic uh, witchy dates of importance, right? So we're, I'm going to load you up with um, the Wheel of the Year, Sabbaths, of course, uh, as well as the lunar events. So all the new moons and all the full moons, everything is listed by, um, there's the dates, there's the times that these events are occurring at, and there's also the specific, for the lunar events, I also put in the specific degrees and minutes, for those who are interested in that. So basically in January, like we said, Mercury went direct in Sagittarius on the 1st. Mars enters Capricorn on the 6th of January. This is in hindsight these dates, I know, but whatever, we'll cover them. Uh, was Women's Christmas, which by the way, this was the first year that I celebrated Women's Christmas and it's like my new favorite fucking thing. And you all need to get your husbands on board Women's Christmas, January 6th. Um, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes to the YouTube video that informed me about this amazing Celtic event from a wonderful herbalist. Um, she is like major crone um, vibes, major crone inspo. So yeah, maybe I'll link to that. So yeah, Women's Christmas. Uh, on the 11th was our, was our new moon in Capricorn. And then yesterday, the 20th Aquarius season began. So we are officially in Aquarius season and Pluto entered Aquarius. So that's quite interesting. I've actually been in a hole. <laughs> I've been in a hole of healing. <laughs> um, and I haven't been looking around, paying attention to see if anything particularly interesting happened um, yesterday or, or today. But maybe I will do that after this, uh, after I record this. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. So... Venus entered Capricorn on the 25th was the full is going to be the full wolf moon in Leo. Ooh, I like that full wolf moon in Leo. Um, on the 27th, Uranus goes direct in Taurus. It's kind of nice. Uranus goes direct in Taurus. So on February on the 1st is in bulk. Um, on the 9th will be our new moon in Aquarius. Uh, and I'm not going into like detailed readings about each lunar event, but I do have a couple that I'm going to note when we get to them. Uh, Mars enters Aquarius and Venus, Venus also enters Aquarius in February. On the 18th of February, Pisces be season begins. And then on the 24th, the full snow moon in Virgo happens. In March... On the 10th, then it's kind of, yeah, then there's kind of like not a lot of weather happening. And then on the 10th, there's a new moon in Pisces in March. Venus enters Pisces. Uh, March 13th, that Jupiter conjunct Uranus, Jupiter-Uranus conjunction begins. So I have that noted in here. On the 19th of March is when we have our spring equinox and Aries season begins. So you guys, this... March 19th, this whole spring equinox moment, right? A lot of people feel, really feel more aligned with acknowledging the spring equinox as when the new year actually begins. Just in terms of like the zodiac year, of course, begins with Aries and um, 
you know, the energy of spring. So like, please do not feel, I mean, look at me, right? Like, like I said in the beginning of this call, like I am taking my time. It is the dead of winter. Yes, the days are getting progressively longer and longer since the moment of the winter solstice, but it is still technically the dead of winter. We are still in the process of weaving all of our dreams into plans of action, okay? So there is no reason for us to be, you know, fucking jumping up and down like chickens with our heads cut off, new year, new me. Like how about new year, new couch session? (laughs) Like just chill, okay? March 19th, spring equinox, airy season. It's going to be great. You have plenty of time to ease your way into the new zodiac year. Okay. March, what what happens in March? Mars enters Pisces in March. Oh, and then the eclipse portal opens. So our first eclipse season of the year, the eclipse portal is going to open on the 23rd, right? So the eclipses are not these isolated lunar events, right? It opens up an entire portal of transformation and possibility. This is also a portal in which we do not want to be attempting conception if it feels agreeable to you that this is how you want to work with the astrological energies. This is traditionally um, not considered an optimal time for conception. So that portal is going to open on the 23rd. And then on the 25th is when our full worm moon lunar eclipse in Libra occurs. All right. First eclipse of the year. And I believe... The solar eclipse in April is going to be a total eclipse. Like it's like the kind of eclipse where like everybody goes outside and like looks at it through weird glasses or whatever. Um, I've actually never done that kind of thing before. But that is going to be a possibility for you this year (laughs) if you're into that and if you're into eclipse gazing. Okay, April. This is going to be a lot lot of weather in this month. Okay, April 1st, Mercury goes retrograde in Aries. Venus is going to enter Aries. Um, You're going to have your new moon solar eclipse in Aries on the 8th. And that, holy moly, also, by the way, that eclipse is going to have six placements. There are going to be six planets in Aries during this eclipse, (laughs) including the North Node. So... There is going to be a lot of Aries um, nodal energy happening around this time. That is going to be really interesting to look more closely at when we get there. So yeah, note note that eclipse. Then the eclipse portal is going to close on the 10th. Uh, Taurus season is going to begin on the 19th. There's going to be a full pink moon in Scorpio on the 23rd. Mercury is going to go direct um, towards the end of the month. Oh, man. Mercury's going to be in retrograde during that whole time. Holy shit. Okay. It'll be interesting. Uh, Venus enters Taurus and Mars enters Aries at the end of that month. Okay. Another power, oh my God, the next, so the next three lunar events are really, okay, so May 1st is Beltane, right? On the 2nd, Pluto is going to go retrograde um, in Aquarius and start making his way back towards Capricorn again. May 7th, new moon in Taurus. Gemini season begins on May 20th. 
on May 23rd, there's going to be a full flower moon. Oh, hold on, back up. That new moon in Taurus on the 7th, May 7th, there's going to be five placements in Taurus. Big Taurus energy. That is going to be such a potent new moon, like super potent new moon, new beginnings, planting seeds in Taurus, lots of planets in Taurus at the time. That's going to be really fun. Okay, the full flower moon in Sagittarius on May 23rd. Uh, That same day, Venus is going to enter Gemini. On the 25th, Jupiter enters Gemini. Oh, yeah, May 25th, Jupiter is going to enter Gemini. So that's going to shift a lot of things Um, in terms of Jupiter energy, working with Jupiter energy. June, in June, the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction comes to an end, the very beginning of June. So I believe in total that conjunction, let's see, lasts like, oof, a couple months. Yeah. A couple months. Uh, June 6th, there's a new moon in Gemini. Again, with these new moons, five planets, five placements in Gemini during this new moon. Lots of Gemini energy right after the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction comes to an end. I think there's going to be a lot of like, this is going to be a really potent time to wrap up some, to, to step into some clarity. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, especially if you are working this year with fine-tuning your voice, if you're a business owner, your messaging. Um, yeah, this beginning of June, this is going to be a really potent time, Okay. Uh, Mars enters Taurus and Venus enters Gemini in June. On June 20th, the summer solstice occurs and cancer season begins. On the 21st, we have a full strawberry moon in Capricorn. And then Saturn goes retrograde in Pisces. Uh, July, July Neptune goes retrograde in Pisces. There's a new moon in Cancer on the 5th, the 5th of July. Venus enters Leo, Mars enters Gemini. On the 21st, there's a full buck moon in Capricorn. So there's two Capricorn moons in a row. This is going to be, I like this. I like this progression, especially for business. Because we have in June, the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction splits off. Then we have that powerful new moon in Gemini with, what did I say, five placements in Gemini. And then we have a full moon in Capricorn. We're going to get a little touchy-feely with Cancer, new moon in Cancer. But then the next full moon again is in Capricorn. And then Leo season begins on the 22nd of July. I mean, so good. Chiron goes retrograde (laughs) at the end of July, though. So, you know, there's that. Okay. August. On the 1st of August is Lamas. That's like the first of the three harvest Sabbaths, I believe, right? Lamas, Mabon, and Sawen. So on the 1st of August is Lamas. Um, the 4th is a new moon in Leo in August. Venus enters Virgo. Then Mercury goes retrograde in Virgo. That's kind of unfortunate. Um, but interesting because Mercury is ruled by Virgo. So yeah, that would be interesting. 
Uh, on the 19th of August is a full corn moon in Aquarius. And then Virgo season begins on the 22nd. Mercury goes direct on the 28th, though. So it's a very short Mercury retrograde. Um, it's going to occur through that full moon. So we'll see how that plays out. And then Venus enters Libra at the end of August. September, Uranus goes retrograde again in Taurus. And Pluto goes retrograde. Pluto, well, Pluto has been retrograding. Um, but on the 1st of September is the moment when Pluto is going to continue its retrograde into Capricorn. So back into Capricorn again. On the 2nd of September is a new moon in Virgo. Uh, Mars enters Cancer, and then the Eclipse Portal opens. So this is our second Eclipse Portal of the year. Remember I said it was a little bit earlier than I think we've been used to for the past couple years? So the Eclipse Portal is going to open on the 15th of September. Then the Full Harvest Moon Lunar Eclipse in Pisces occurs on the 17th. Okay, the full, uh, no, so then then on the 22nd is the autumn equinox, also known as Maybon, Libra season begins, Venus enters Scorpio, all at the same time. In October, uh, there's a new moon solar eclipse in Libra. So this is going to be another, the new moons this year, man, like this is another new moon in which there are four placements there are four placements in libra and not only that but they are all conjunct one another they are all conjunct one another so that is going to be a moment again i'm not doing like detailed interpretations of each of these events but i'm just letting you know like the big ones coming up right so yeah another new moon in which there is a lot of condensed energy in the sign that the moon is taking place in and this is Libra, right? This is like our south, our collective south node experience, which I've already talked about a little bit. So then four days later, uh, no, two days later, on the 4th of October, the eclipse portal closes. Jupiter goes retrograde in Gemini, while Pluto goes direct in Capricorn. On the 17th of October is a full hunter's moon in Aries. And Venus enters Sagittarius. On the 22nd, Scorpio season begins, and on the 31st is Sawen. Everyone's favorite. Okay, in November, we have on November 1st, this is kind of fun. So on November 1st, there's a full, there's a new moon, and on December 1st, there's also a new moon. Um, nice way to start out the calendar month. Right. So on November 1st, there's a new moon in Scorpio. Um, that month, Mars enters Leo and Venus enters Capricorn. Then there's a full beaver moon in Taurus on the 15th of November. Saturn will also be going direct on that day, uh, on the day of the full moon. Uh, Pluto enters Aquarius. He's back. Pluto comes back into Aquarius on the 19th of November. And on the 21st, Sagittarius season begins. Uh, and then Mercury goes retrograde <laughs> in Sagittarius. Um, yeah, so remember, you want to know what, you know, what you kind of want to be familiar with your charts to really get the most out of these transits because then you know where in your chart these like events are are happening, right? Like what, what house is ruled by Sagittarius in your chart? Because that's where this Mercury retrograde is going to hit. 
last month. December 1st uh, is another new moon in Sagittarius. This month is when Mars goes into retrograde in Leo. Uh, Venus enters Capricorn. Neptune goes direct in Pisces, uh, gearing up for that Neptune North Node Pisces um, experience that we're going to have in the beginning of 2025. On the 15th of December is a full cold moon in Pisces. Mercury is also going to go direct in Sagittarius on that day, so that's kind of nice. On the 21st is the winter solstice, and of course Capricorn season begins. Like I said, Chiron is going direct on the 29th of December, so it might be another rough holiday season if you experienced that uh, this past year with Chiron going direct on Christmas Day, so just be mindful of that. And then we have our new black moon in Capricorn on December 30th. Like I said, you can access all of these dates in detail in the 2024 Cosmic Forecast PDF in the bonus uh, section of this podcast episode. There will be a link to that in the show notes. You'll be able to access that, the calendar link to add all these dates to your Google Calendar, and also our bonus conversation about how to work with Jupiter, Venus, and how to use the transits to co-create a successful relocation in the year of 2024. You can access all of that in the bonus section for a monthly donation of $8 a month, for which you will also receive access to the archive of all the bonus content that I created last year, as well as be able to catch up on my Cosmic Conception Diaries and take advantage of the Ask Me Anything Q&A audio series. So a link to all of that will be in the show notes. And of course, if you are interested in tuning in to these frequencies to support your next conscious conception using the fertility transits, using the exact date and time of your fertile moon phase, and also taking advantage of astrological sex prediction techniques, you can order a fertile transit report from me for either a six-month period of time or a 12-month period of time. And this report is um, delivered to you as a PDF to your inbox. It will equip you with your fertile moon phase by its name and specific arc degree. It will outline your lunar fertile windows down to the exact minute of your fertile moon phase. It will outline all relevant fertility transits taking place during each um, lunar fertile window for both you and your partner. It will also present you with knowledge of any unfavorable transits that may interfere with a successful conception or pregnancy. And it will also look at the karmic activations that might impact your path to motherhood. And of course, it is an option to have me outline the sex prediction for each fertile moon phase and its strength of influence depending on um, the exact degree that your fertile moon phase is occurring in in the chart. So you guys, this is like priestess precision calculations to bring some of this astrological magic to your preconception period. And again, you can purchase one for any time period that you want. So maybe if you're planning on conceiving a baby in the next couple years, you can order these reports for those time frames so that you can actually see when it's going to be more or less ideal for you to attempt those conceptions. Um, so yeah, you can really take advantage of these reports to support you in the way that you need for what you're trying to accomplish. So the link to that will be in the show notes. 
that will be it for today. I hope you are having a wonderful medicinal start to the new calendar year. I hope you are listening to the whispers of the season that your body is calling you into alignment with. I hope you are honoring your needs. I hope you are taking it slow. I hope you are creating where you have abundance and energy to create. And I look forward to walking this path with you in the new year. Thank you.